right? Using yeah. it as a, an excuse to just have conversations yeah. with interesting people, other than yeah. me, obviously, is uh, <laughs> current present present company. Excuse me, is that you? you sort of Hello and welcome to episode 116 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing and the F is, well, you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but I've picked up a thing or two over the last 20 years on my tour from techie to CMO. And each week I chat to the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums, and hopefully share with you some marketing street knowledge that will inspire the rockstar CMO in you. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn and proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This episode was recorded on Friday the 27th of May. I hope you've had a good week and you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, Jeff Clark and I chat about winning in changing times. I have a fun chat with Harry Morton, founder of podcast producers Lower Street, and I wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with Robert Rose for a cocktail and a marketing food. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. <laughs> On to our first segment. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that aside from being a Rockstar CMO advisor, Jeff Clark has a passion for clean technology and climate change. And this week, we reflect on an article he's written for rockstarcmo.com called Winning During Changing Times. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. And welcome back, my friend. How are you? I am doing great. I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, apart from the fact I forgot how to welcome you to the show. That's going really well. <laughs> Episode 116. Can't remember. Oh, my gosh. As usual. What, um, and let's get the first thing out of the way. How's the weather for you, my friend? It is. Uh, we're having a rather uh, overcast but warm day, um, and uh, we have uh, a visitor that we're going to go take a, a hike in the hills with. So um, nice. it's nice that it's not. Too blaring oh. hot, you know. Yeah, because you had a hot, hot, hot oh, we weekend. did have a hot weekend last yeah. weekend. Well, we're the sky is blue here, and um, we are in for a very nice weekend ourselves. Awesome, and uh, and I shall be celebrating my birthday. So happy birthday! Thank you very much. Wow, very much. all right, mate. So last week we promised a wonderful title or a wonderful topic that we were going to talk about this week, which was winning during changing times. And God knows we're in changing times, time. right? Yep. Uh, so, um, and you wrote an article about it, which I will refer to in the show notes. And in that article, you talk about the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, inflation, the challenges to the global supply chain, the cost to reduce the carbon use. 
it's a real it's a really great story <laughs> it's very much, upbeat too uh, very upbeat and it's you know it really is a genuinely though it's what we're going through at the moment and um you refer to it as a transition whereas it seems to me that a lot of people are thinking that this is going to be a cycle like we we yeah. you know, yeah. that that we're due a recession a recession will happen and it's the economic cycle and that's it but um why do you think that we're actually in a transition rather than in a cycle well i th- there's a there's you know there's a couple things and, and and certainly the you know all the things that you had mentioned you know have put us through ups and downs and you know booms in some economies and yeah. and uh, you know issues in others and and you know cycles are something that from a you know from a planning and strategy standpoint we need to be able to make sure we can weather um, but when you get into more, you know, what I call or other people call often seismic shifts, you know, things that are that are, you know, dramatically going to change, not just, mm-hmm. you know, the current economic cycle, but just kind of the way we do everything. Then I think that really that that begs, you know, the people running businesses and the marketers who are thinking about the, you know, the helping to think about the long term is like, so can we really can we take advantage of these shifts that are coming on or do we have threats that uh, we need to be aware of to make sure we make adjustments? And, you know, as I think about, you know, with one of the reasons that I think, you know, climate change is one of those things that's going to drive this kind of seismic shift is, is not only our, uh, you know, uh, governments setting targets of reducing fossil fuel usage, you know, um, and and you know getting very specific like here in the state of massachusetts state of california a lot of other states in the united states you won't be able to buy a internal combustion engine car in mm. about 10 years and and every state has a slightly different um you know d- date on that but basically it's like oh i mean so all of the everything that's out there almost everything that's yeah. out there that the people have been buying has got to shift to an entirely different uh, mode of transportation or a sort of mode of, uh, yeah. of power. And, yeah. and gosh, with that, you know, that means that people who run gas stations, that means the auto dealers, that means, that means every, all of the businesses, I mean, certainly the United States, Japan, Germany, uh, mm. it, a lot of other countries, you know, th- there's just a whole ton of business that is tied mm-hmm. to uh, automotion, yeah. you know, automotive uh, vehicles. And yeah. so, that's all got to change. And then the technology, everything that supports that has got to change. And so that's really where, where I think, you know, almost every business needs to be thinking not just about the next year and maybe three years, but it's like, if I look out the next 10 years, how is my market going to be different and how can I make sure I'm planning to, so I'm not, I'm not the loser. I'm not like the, uh, the guy that ran the livery stable when the, when the car came out and it's like, you know, I'm sticking to my horses. Uh, (laughs) Nobody's got, you know, whatever. And, and and I, I mean, I, I guess, right. I mean, you, you've, you've highlighted their transportation, right. And the change to cars and particularly around the governments also, well, everybody's making these commitments to reduce their use of carbon, which is also going to have an impact on our entire economy. Is that, what you're talking about in terms of transition yes and 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 it's not just the governments because it's also private investment companies you know like a blackrock or whatever they're they're asking any company they're investing in what are your sustainability plans what are your you know uh how you you know if 
you know, going to handle climate change. And so, you know, things like transportation, heating, cooling, how power gets generated. I mean, those are obvious things that are going to change. But then when you think about, well, that's actually going to affect the cost and the availability of plastics. That's going to affect all services that have fleets like an Amazon, a UPS. Uh, It's going to affect, as you said, all the supply chains, you know, and particularly since air and sea shipping are the hardest things to decarbonize is, is that, is that, mode of transportation be, has more pressure on it than mm-hmm. costs will necessarily go. Well, I mean, it's what's the interesting thing is about is that a lot of the clean technology is cheaper on a kilowatt or kilowatt hour basis, but yeah. it's the transition of going from all the equipment we've had that we were used to doing things this way has mm-hmm. now got to move over to this way. Uh, and, and, you know, even from a technology perspective, we got to think about how are we pow- powering our, you know, internet servers, blockchain servers, all, you know, everything that, that is just, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like so, energy is through everything that we do. Yeah. So you've taught, so, I mean, aside from the kind of issues, I guess you could say that are affecting us right now that are, that hopefully will pass like the war pandemic and things like that. And, but we are definitely in this transition as we move to lower carbon and those kinds of underlying things that are going to carry on. So you, paint quite a picture there but you talk about winning <laughs> in the title of your article um and um and I, I when i was looking at this and thinking about it as from the recessionary perspective rather than that broader perspective you have you know there's i hear the commentators who believe that you know that recession is just an opportunity they cite examples of great businesses that were born in recession i mean yeah I actually did some research, which I know may be shocking for the listener, but <laughs> I just discovered that Disney uh, kicked off at the same time as the Great Depression. You know, there's so many examples of great businesses that started during 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 an economic recession. Yeah, are you are you saying the same opportunities available? Absolutely, absolutely. It, as a matter of fact, you know, Tesla, who we talked about a couple yeah. episodes ago. I mean, they grew out of uh, U.S. You know, government investment during the um, recovery of the 2009 recession, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. and so, and, and and obviously they're part of the 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 transition. You know, taking advantage of that, and I mm-hmm. think that any time, you know, one of the the, the things that is kind of a a, a fallacy uh, that people have about evolution or how things change is that they think it happens slowly, yeah. and in reality, when you look and you know we don't want to get deep into like species change and things like that but <laughs> but usually when when the when the environmental conditions the economic conditions change uh mm-hmm. make a dramatic change is like then that transition happens very quickly and that's why i mm-hmm. think you know thinking out 5 to 10 years at this point is mm-hmm. is necessary because because there are things that you can do to prevent yourself from uh you know being threatened by the change but there's also well where you know how how can my business yeah. i mean you know it's like if you think about the broader uh role your business has in serving customers well mm. how are their needs going to change what what's going to change about the market and and can mm-hmm. i get out in front of that and if i get out in front of that uh and i'm still you know providing something that is that delivers a need to the or a solution to the customer then mm-hmm. then i'm going to be winning and if i you know get ahead of the market you know, I'll be winning mm. and others will be falling by the wayside. Yeah. And, and we often, we often, well, a few times we've chatted about Tesla on this show and there's loads of examples of disruptors um, that we could cite. But I mean, you talk about 
exactly what you're saying. You talk about amount of time. I mean, in in Ford years, <laughs> what <laughs> Tesla has done is in a nanosecond, isn't it? The yeah. way that they've disrupted the business. So those things can happen way faster than you think. Absolutely. I mean, in the car industry, they, they, they plan and design their cars years in advance. Oh, don't absolutely. They? And, make those years in advance, and then so. they and then they end up throwing, you know, it's like yeah. I, I was talking to a friend of mine over the weekend who's been in the car business for decades. And, you know, he yeah. was talking about, you know, it's like platforms that a, a GM would create because they're like, we're going to get into hybrids and they, they create a platform. And then it's like, oh, you know, by the time it catches on, they're like, you know, we realize now that that's out of date. So we got to throw yeah. that one out and we got to do something new. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, it's uh, it's difficult for businesses to uh, to be nimble in this environment. Yeah, yeah. But it's something what I liked about when when I read your article and we were talking about this was it's easy for us to think as marketers this doesn't affect me but i think that that some of these underlying pressures will affect everybody i mean the economy obviously will affect everybody and i think some of these um the moves that people are making around carbon are going to affect us the transportation will affect us but also all of us aren't we all in some sort of change we're either in a business that's being disrupted or we're the disruptor you know we need to embrace change as marketers anyway so what so i know that in your article um, and uh, you, you're suggesting we think long term, which is a bit radical for us marketers. <laughs> but you also suggest eight things that we should think about now. So what what are those eight? And, you, and the regulars will know we love a list on this show. So. We love lists. And, and, it, and unfortunately, it's, you know, eight is one more than seven, which you yeah. know is like as the much as much as people yeah. can remember. So you got to read the article and write down the yeah. eight. So put it somewhere. But the so the so first, I think that the reason for going through these eight factors is that, you know, you want to be able to, uh, you want to be able to put together a SWOT analysis. So SWOT, right. you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Yeah. And so this is where marketing can play a role in doing the research as well as actually, you know, moderating or conducting the SWOT analysis. So the CMO yeah. or another marketing leader with the other uh, the other members of the organization or the other executives can actually sit down and try to work through this, and mm-hmm. marketing can bring you know information. So, so if we, if we uh, just quickly go through the eight, then we can come back to them. It's like you know customer needs, yeah. your your local environment, uh, your business model or how business models will shift, it's the supply chain, uh, the financial environment, your staff skills, regulatory framework, and then the competition. Uh, right. And and these <laughs> these eight you know placed on a on a uh, you know a, a SWOT diagram is what are our strengths here there and everywhere what are our weaknesses etc really help right. to so uh, you're saying so are you, is, so so yeah I was going to ask you about each of the eight one in one in yeah, ten we, you revealed you revealed the oh, revealed them all in sorry. one go the, so the the, the 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 so you're saying the SWOT analysis and these eight things that we need to consider go hand in hand right so yes um so you would would are you saying we would do a spot analysis on each of these eight so if we were to take the first one you've got here customer needs are we then are we going to swap the customer needs i think what what you do is you'd say so you want to lay out your Mm -hmm. uh, you know on a whiteboard the table of what's our strengths weakness and then kind of walk through the eight and there could be others you know there could be other things that that we need to need to add to the but yeah. this this provides a uh, you know a fairly comprehensive right. view. So if I so if we start with customer needs, we we yeah. we want to ask the question. Well, we'll so if I looking out whether you want to pick it five or ten years out 
You know, mm -hmm. do we know how customer needs will change? You know, can I yeah. can I go to the industry analysts and and get their perspective yeah. on this? Or you know, is yeah. it is it already been written about? I mean, do we know? Yeah. Um, you know, like if we talk about the EV car example, if we're in a business mm -hmm. that somehow is related to transportation, so mm -hmm. where are the you know the big milestones from which you know our fleet or our customers mm -hmm. and how they do things are going to change from? how they drive today to how they'll be driving in 10 years. Mm, and I heard an interesting reference to this, actually. I've just realized, um, listening to um, Marketing Book Podcast the other day. And um, there, there, there was a guest on there that was talking about that you need to get these needs, like, quite basic. And, and, the, and they're the constant needs. Like, there's no point in you looking at what's the needs of somebody at this sort of this week, this month. Or yes. You know, if we're looking at our, our the customer's needs, it's going to be, I need to receive the product, right? That's never going to change. So if, yep. you can, if you can make them getting the product better and easier and cheaper, that's always going to be a great benefit and strength of yours, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Whereas if you're, if you're struggling to get them the product, then you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> so the second one you got there is local environment. What do you mean by local environment? Well, basically, it's like the, either where you conduct business or where your customers uh, are yeah. is, you know, are there, how is that, how is that going to change? You know, kind of like the obvious thing is, is that, you know, uh, l once living near Boston or actually lived on the, on the coast is that, you know, the locals are always thinking about, okay, you know, sea level rise or changes in, yeah. in our, uh, in, you know, there's, there are parts of towns that, that were likely going to be go from swamp to, you know, being underwater. And so, yeah. so yeah. if I'm, if I'm dealing with that and there's certainly other things about a local environment that might change, um, yeah. But, you know, that's where you just got to say, you know, what is what is that that right. look like uh, right. five, ten years out? Right. Right. And um, similarly, I guess I'm going to skip forward a, a couple here. Um, financial environment, very similar. Right. Is that is you're looking at the 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 state of state of where you're operating right and so the local environment from a physical perspective from what you've just said there but also from a financial perspective of how you guys sit right from, and, and where yeah. you think that's going to go right yeah and are you able to raise you know will it become easier yeah. or harder for you to yeah. raise capital i mean i mentioned that some of the big investment houses are actually looking at your you know your esg your environmental social governance qualifications to evaluate investments you know so all of yeah. a sudden do you go from being in a you know a company that's in a market that is getting favorable investment to one that is yeah. that is not and right. you know, like these days right, right. you know soft it's very easy for software companies to get investment yeah. but it's very hard yeah. for other companies yeah. that are more durable goods yeah. you know because it's like the the investment yeah. houses are like how do we you know how do we know yeah. where this is going yeah yeah absolutely and um and then you also talk about, excuse me, you also talk about business model, which kind of reminded me a bit of um, uh, Theodore Levitt's uh, um, um, essay about the railways, that, the, that they believed that they were in the railway business, yeah. but actually they're in the transportation business. They're really thinking about what is what it is you're trying to achieve, right? Yep, yep. Um, so, you know, you give the example of traditional car dealers. How do they transition so that they're maintaining EVs as much as, as regular cars? So they're not well, mechanics anymore. I mean, the issue yeah, the issue there is that is that car dealers make their their money on maintenance. They don't make their yeah. money on selling the car because there's a very right. low margin on the car. So if all of a sudden I have a car that um, that doesn't require maintenance, or certainly yeah. requires a fraction of the maintenance, so where am I yeah. going to be making my money? 
And yeah. if and if a Tesla is selling direct uh, yeah. or others, it's like I'm, I'm out of the yeah. loop. So what am I? Yeah. What is my business? Yeah. Does, does, is there a business that exists there in actually yeah. selling cars? Or is is it that I just have to decide when I'm leaving? Yeah, 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 yeah. So as usual, we're running out of time. So, and, so, and I, I still have Irene's words ringing in my ears about, or ringing in my eyes because I read them, I didn't hear them. <laughs> that we should jog on. Um, so um, you also talk about staff skills, which is fairly straightforward, right? That what is it that we're good at as a group of people? And the regulatory framework, I guess, is very similar to the financial environment. Is, yes, is, absolutely. Are things going to change either favorably against all, and, and our government's offering incentives for things that are competitive yeah. with you that that yeah. you're, you're not going to take advantage of yeah which is i mean again all of these things right the tether example is a great one isn't it they struck at the right moment where they could get some funds from the government and the yep. regulatory framework change for them and from a competitive perspective right they they came into a market with, with, with little competitors so again something we should do a swat on right competition absolutely and and so and the competitors you need to be thinking about are the competitors out there, are they going to be the ones you're dealing with today that are also yeah. going to make an evolution or yeah. are you going to have new competitors? You know, like, you know, yeah, yeah. certainly addition to Tesla, there's a lot of Chinese auto companies that are, you know, yeah, ramping yeah. up EV production. So are, are they going to dominate the world car market? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's lots of examples like that. Yeah. So. Well, I don't think any of our listeners uh, lead marketing for Tesla because apparently they don't have any marketing. But um, <laughs> but I think the connection there is to truly understand your business model, isn't it? And understand what business you're in so that then you can understand your competition and where these threats might come from. And they may not be your obvious competitors like, you know, the person that Gartner considers in, is in your category Absolutely. today. It's, gonna, it's all going to get disrupted. All right. So, uh, to, to, um, so I like those very much and i think but i think they're there's something that we all should apply regardless of uh pandemics wars economic downturn i mean it's a great list for any company looking to change and let's face it we all are um so what what's so is this something that needs to be led by marketing or is this a strategy that we need to be engaging our c-suite i it's definitely a strategy we need to engage the c-suite but i think that that the the cmo i mean given a lot of the 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 market research uh yeah. you know skills should be within the marketing department and maybe it's collaborating with people uh, who are in product to yeah. be thinking ahead and it's like well let's you know let's let's pull let's do the analysis from yeah. with every information we can get from the outside world and then you know engage the rest of the leadership team uh, and, and, you know, maybe we need to bring in an outside uh, consultant to be, uh, the, the moderator for a discussion. Cause certainly when, when, you know, when I've worked on SWOT analysis, it's really helpful to have an, an objective person, uh, yeah, uh who comes in and moderates the discussion. But I think marketing and the CMO can play a huge role in making sure yeah. that this happens. Yeah, well, we often make the point, don't we, that the CMO or the marketing team have that connection with the market and should be doing that research, so be, be able to feed this back in. That's excellent. Thank you very much, Jeff. I like that list. And again, uh, it's all in an article that's on rockstarcmo.com, which I'll include a link to in the show notes. And finally, what's the tune for this week, Jeff? It's about change, So, and it's about trying to be positive. So <laughs> A Change Would Do You Good by Sheryl Crow. 1996, uh, I, I think it. is, uh, it's, it just fits the bill.
It does, and it was playing in my head as I read your article. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's excellent. Thank you very much, Jeff. And what are we going to discuss next week? Do you think? Next week, we're going to talk about how to fight back against the marketing technology industrial complex. I love that. I love that. When you shared with me, that's what we might be talking about. I love that idea. We might have to reserve a couple of hours for that one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> All right, mate. Well, I look forward to speaking to you next week. Have a great week, and I'll see you next All right. Thank you, Jeff. And that was Change Will Do You Good by Cheryl Crow, of course. And Jeff's article, Winning During Changing Times, is on rockstarcmo.com. I'll, of course, include a link to that in the show notes. On to our guest, Harry Morton is the founder and CEO of Lower Street, a podcast production agency. Harry and his team of producers, audio engineers and marketers have launched more than 50 podcasts and produced thousands of episodes for agencies, startups and enterprise clients. Their clients include the number one UK business podcast, Secret Leaders, brands like Hewlett Packard and Stanford Graduate School of Business, as well as multiple hugely successful agency podcasts. It was fun to catch up with Harry. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. Harry, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Thanks for having me. Jolly good. And a fellow Brit. Where are we speaking to you from, Harry? Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in Froome in Somerset. Um, so, yeah, southwest of England. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's, not too, it's a bit cloudy today, but not too bad. See, there you go. See, we're obsessed with the weather on this show, partly because I'm the host. So, there you, go. so you got in there really quick with that. So that was great. We've got a bit of sunshine here just to show the difference. Glad to hear um, it. So uh, for the listeners that don't know much about you, Harry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I could uh, start with a bit of a bit of a bit of a story. I when I was uh, when I was a kid, I was 12 years old, 1997. I used to uh, my sister and I used to make radio plays. We used to sit around with a little uh, Sanyo cassette player, one of those uh, things <laughs> with a radio player on it. And we used to do things like, you know, make radio plays like you used to when you sort of record top of the pops and then try and stop it before the DJ came on. And yeah. Have, say your say your link and then do the next one and we used to do like uh interviews with movie stars and things like that but um we also used to do I, we spent a lot of time doing kind of adverts for 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 things we just found it funny to do like adverts for toothpaste or Wrigley's mm-hmm. spearmint gum I remember or penguin biscuits and any American yeah. listeners won't know what a penguin biscuit is but anyway it's great so, they're great they're <laughs> wonderful. I encourage everybody to check out the penguin um so we used to do that and I remember one Sunday when I was 12 I looked at the there was a, a newspaper um on the sofa and there was a big full page spread for compact computers these great big yeah. huge ugly gray boxes but to my 12 year old brain we didn't have a family computer at that time i grew up at yeah. uh, single single parent family we didn't have much money we we were perfectly happy but we just could you know we didn't buy things yeah. but i saw this ad and i was like i have to get it my 12 year old brain was just blown it was like you know 16 <laughs> megabytes of ram and a cd rom drive and i was just like this is the coolest thing ever yeah. so I, I hatched a plan and my, i convinced my my sister who was um 
I guess she would have been nine at the time to to help me make one of these ads that we used to make for this computer to convince my mum to buy one. So wow. yeah, we went up and we sat there and we recorded this thing and then you'd mess up and you'd rewind and try to get the exact press yeah. stop in the right place so you could get it right. Yeah. Made this thing, sat it down in front of my mum and and played it for her and just sort of sat there nervously waiting for the, you know, the barrage of questions and we can't afford it and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, but it got to the end and you kind of got the hiss, the hiss at the end of the tape, you know, <laughs> and uh, and looked up at her and she said, she said, um, cool, we'll figure it out. Let's do it. And I just was like, you know, obviously wow. 12 years old, mind blown, like it was the best yeah. thing ever. And, uh, and it worked. But yeah, and I suppose that is, uh, by way of introduction, my first piece of sort of successful branded sponsored content. Um, and that's what we do. That's what I do every day. We work with brands like HP, like mm -hmm. Ford, like Stanford Graduate School of Business, lots of others to to create podcasts for their brands mm -hmm. um, and tell stories in audio. So um, that's what we do at Lower Street. And uh, I've been doing it for for a while, cool. I suppose you could say. Yeah, I was going to get in there that yeah, your your agency is called Lower Street. And yeah. what, you, what you're just doing there with your sister sounds like my Saturday mornings on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lot different. <laughs> So, but I mean, if we, so we, so we went from you being a child there to, to what you're doing now at Lower Street, um, yeah. but you have a, in between times, you have a musical background and you've actually mm. spent some time in, in, in agency land too. So what brought you to podcasting? What was that sort of middle part of that story? Yeah. So my, I, I went to university to do music tech and, and, you know, um, that side of things. And my first job out of university was in that agency world. So I worked in a, um, a post-production house in London and we were doing mostly, um, sound for TV ads at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I came away from that, left that. It was the most god-awful, stressful, worst thing in the world um, mm. imaginable. So I, I left that and actually ended up working in sales and marketing for ages and, and had always known <clears throat> that setting up my own company was the thing I wanted to do. Um, but it was in those intervening years that I just, that podcasts became a thing. Yeah. Um, and I spent all of my time educating myself. I'm a bit of a reluctant reader, so I would just always listen to things. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just through listening to podcasts about business, you know, about authors yeah. writing about this sort of stuff that I just learned about business. And then sort of the, the penny probably took a little too long to drop, but I suddenly realized <laughs> actually I know audio and I love podcasts. Let's bring these two things together. And that's, that's sort of what I did. What, what a great way to combine those two. And I think, um, were you, I presume you're in, in an agency in London, one of the bigger agents. No, I, so we worked the studio was sort of an independent studio and then the yeah. agencies would come to us, but yeah, the sort of Sarchis yeah. of the world were, were coming yeah, yeah. out every day to, to sort of make yeah. these things. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a bit of time in that world myself. I can certainly vouch for. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a badge of honor kind of, isn't it? You've sort of <laughs> well, got to do it and it's a God awful existence, but yeah. you can say and, you've done it. Yeah. And you've got the scars, you've got the scars. <laughs> and so, um, how did, so then you decided to go self-employed, uh, sorry, you decided to create your own agency. And I yeah. know that you know, doing our research and having a chat beforehand, you've got a great growth story. What's the secret to your growth? I mean, that's a great marketing and entrepreneur story, let alone talking about podcasts. Oh, well, thanks. I don't know about that. I mean, it's probably um, more luck than uh, luck than judgment. But I, okay. I think one of the reasons that it's been successful is because of what we do is is so specific. And I think that's yeah. what we've tried to do rather than be a marketing agency that will build your website right. and run your PPC and do the rest yeah. of it. Um, we just we just do podcasts. And so when you're looking for a podcast, you want to, generally speaking, work with an expert. And that does seem to be the, the trend that things are going in. We, you know, lots of companies are hiring in-house for the things that they need. But I think more and more so people are saying, well, look, we want to do this one specific thing. We don't already know how to do that. Quite frankly, we probably don't know how to hire for that successfully. Mm -hmm. 
So why don't we just work with experts on these specific things? That's certainly how I operate my business rather than kind of growing the team and, and ballooning out of control. Yeah. We just say, great, let's bring someone in that knows what they're doing for three months and, and do that. And so I think that's what people um, are sort of leaning into the trend mm-hmm. more broadly. And so we've been really lucky. We've been well positioned. We're very clear about what we do. And I think that's what's led to it. And then you know, obviously the pandemic hit. You mentioned yeah. as we were sort of in the preamble to, to this that it was the pandemic is when you started this podcast. Yeah. I think lots of people yeah. were the same. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that really um, sort of rock, rocketed our, our growth um, over the last kind of two years. But uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I, yeah, I mean, from my experience, I think marketers either started a podcast or wrote a book in the last two yeah, years. Right. Everybody that I'm talking to. Um, <laughs> But, and then that's a great um, segue to what I want to ask you about, because right now, okay, so two years ago, I started podcast, and like you said, you know, the penny dropped too late, really. I probably should have started a podcast before that when we first started Rockstar CMO. Mm. Um, but, um, and, and then we have this accelerated growth of podcasts right now, although I think there's some churn, isn't there? Podcasts are stopping and starting all the time. Do you yes. think it's still a good time to start a podcast either for listeners that maybe represent themselves and want to do it as a personal project or are thinking about the brand that they represent as marketers. Is it still a good time to do that? Yeah, I think it's an important question. The, the short answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the brackets being I'm biased, but here's, yes. here's, here's why I think uh, that, that it's definitely worth doing. I think, firstly, you're right. There, are, there is a lot of churn. And the reason yeah. for that is that podcasting is a long game. Podcasting mm-hmm. is not a viral medium. It's not like a TikTok campaign where you're going to put something up and you might suddenly have a million followers overnight. Yeah. Podcasting really rewards consistency um, and, and it takes time to build that audience. Um, the, the, the sort of flip side to that, so you could see that as a weakness, right? But the flip side to that is when people opt into a podcast, they really opt in. They're choosing yeah. to subscribe to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And the habit that we build in our listenership is strong. So when the listeners you get, you tend to keep for a really long time. And that's a wonderful long-term relationship we have the opportunity to build so i think um so long as we don't see it as a a quick hyper growth channel and so long as we don't see it as a bottom of funnel channel i think quite often people come into podcasting with the expectation of we want more leads let's make a podcast that's actually not the best use case for it it's really great for brand awareness brand affinity brand favorability these kinds of things um, but it's not necessarily the, the thing where you're going to pick up a podcast, listen to an episode, go, oh, I must go and buy, yeah. you know, uh, an enterprise level technology solution. It just that's not what happens. So I think we need to understand where podcasting is is good and where it's weak. Um, but yeah, like I said, that relationship we can build with the audience is really powerful. The final thing I would say is that we're in the millions of podcasts that are out there. There are millions of shows pales in comparison to what there is in the blog a sphere if anyone uses that yeah. term anymore yeah. and uh and youtube right like yeah. there's just so much room for for growth yeah. so yeah. so many so much opportunity for different kinds of content i think everyone you know the shows that exist now wonderful shows like this interview-based podcast they're, they're yeah. great but i think there's loads of untapped opportunity there in terms of like what are the new formats how do we deliver you know it's, yeah. it is the the cliche yeah. is that's the wild west and it is the wild west there's no rules and and i think there's a lot yet to be explored yeah i was thinking that actually when i was preparing to chat to you and and, and looking at the questions i wanted to ask you was i mean is it almost like you wouldn't question somebody if they wanted to create their website or create a blog right of, of yeah. corporate it's just standard stuff we do that right and we don't exactly. care that there are a billion of them but yeah. the, the podcast is is something that then gets is more of a considered decision isn't it even though the investment is probably around about the same isn't it? i mean if you've got a great blog you've, you've got invested in that over time 
Exactly. So, and so when, when you were talking about that, it reminded me really, it's, it's just like any content marketing, isn't it? That you have to commit to it and, Correct. and stuff. Yep. But, but so how do you deal with, I mean, is that the kind of advice you, you need to give to your clients? Do you see people that say, well, I'm going to give this three months and if it doesn't work, then, then I'm out. I mean, we're, we're such a, we're such a um, I mean, marketing right now is all about being agile, trying stuff, failing fast yes. and all that, all that stuff. And it's kind of ruined a bit, isn't it, about that long-term thinking. Is that the sort of thing you need to convince clients of? Yeah, it's it, it not necessarily convince them of, but it's, um, <laughs> it's just steer them, gently steer them yeah. in the right direction, I think. Yeah. And just kind of making sure that everyone's expectations are appropriately yeah. aligned, if I'm sounding very corporate, which I apparently yeah. am. <laughs> um, so I think, um, yeah, it's about it's about expectation. It's about commitment, like you said, and mm-hmm. uh, and not expecting kind of immediate results, which does mean it's not right for everybody uh, at every time I think you know if you're a brand that is large enough that long-term kind of brand based stuff is 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 of value to you then it's a really wonderful fit if you're a startup that needs a thousand new users a day it's not probably going to be the thing that kind of returns um, enough for you um, but yeah, so many marketers do have a bit of a a slightly um, skewed opinion of, of perhaps what podcasting is good for at. And that's the reason for that is because it is quite a trendy thing. Mm. You know, it's quite hot. And so everyone's mm. talking about podcasts, especially through the pandemic, as I mentioned. Mm. Mm. So I think a lot of people see it as kind of a hot um, kind of growth hacker medium. Mm-hmm. But that's just not what it is, you know. So, uh, yeah. it's. It, I mean, but also for anybody, isn't it? I mean, the best time, the saying is the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And exactly. The second best time is now. And same with your podcast. If you're looking for a, a and it, am I thinking that the sort of time horizon for planning is one or is a year or something like what, what do you, what do you sort of advise? So, yeah, no. So we typically launch podcasts in the sort of six to 12 week bracket. It, that's yeah. how long it takes us to sort of develop a concept, start yeah. creating the content and then, and then get it out there. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we can get things up and running relatively quickly, but you, you're unlikely to see kind of real growth in that audience until you hit, unless you've got lots of sort of marketing budget to put behind it until you've yeah. got sort of three, six, nine months down the track. Right. Um, that being said, I do think, you know, while we're sort of brushing on the topic of ROI, I think one of the re- one of the ways that a lot of our clients are seeing really great success with podcasting is mm-hmm. um, using it much more as a networking platform rather right. than, Mm-hmm. an audience development platform yeah. so much as you are in this show right using yeah. it as a, an excuse to just have conversations yeah. with interesting people other than yeah. me obviously is <laughs> current present present company excuse me, is that you you sort of um yeah if you can use the podcast as a yeah. reason to reach out to the best fit prospects in your industry and say hey yeah. look i don't want to buy you a coffee and show you my sales deck i want mm-hmm. to invite you on and share your ideas with my audience that's a way better way to start a relationship um, yeah. And that can be a really wonderful account-based marketing oh, sort of absolutely. thing. And then when you build the audience on the back end, which will happen, by the way, that's yeah. like icing on the cake, you know? So yeah. I think there's that way to see it too. Oh, absolutely. And it's part of your influencer marketing program, especially in B2B. Yep. If you if you can create a brand, I mean, it's the same with um, creating a non-branded publication, which I normally do as part of content marketing. If you can create mm-hmm. something where your prospects and customers feel safe coming and Yes. being a part of and don't mm-hmm. feel like they're promoting your brand too much, then I think a podcast is an excellent opportunity for that. And in fact, um, you know, I can't deny that I've actually had, uh, you know, consulting work come through having met people through running this podcast and other there people, as I, I was telling you a story before about somebody, 
somebody who's being interviewed and, and the interviewer had heard this podcast. So it's, it's great that there's that benefit flowing around. So oops, just bash me on microphone. So I'll have to try and edit that out. Um, so when, um, uh, so when people are, so we've agreed that we should start a podcast. We agree we need to take a longer term view. Where do you recommend the marketers should start? Apart from giving Lower Street a call, obviously, but where do you recommend sure. that people start? Uh, yeah, and no, I think that the most important place to start, I think one of the stumbling blocks we see lots of brands make is that they they sort of, they they decide that they want a podcast between them. Then they sit down and go, great, what's the concept for our show? I know we're going to talk to these industry experts about these topics and make a thing that sounds like this and then put it out into the world that's great and it can work but i think in in an increasingly saturated space Mm. we need to have more of a focus on our listener i think and so one of the things that we really sort of lean into is let's understand really clearly the the question i always ask every incoming client is if you could have just a hundred listeners of this podcast in the whole world who would they be because if we can really clearly articulate who they are we can build a picture of what podcasts they already listen to, what other kind of media do they engage with already, and what lessons can we learn from, from those things that we know are performing well that we want to integrate into, into a show that we might make, and also where are the gaps that we see that are, are leaving our, our audience somewhat underserved and that we are uniquely positioned to sort of provide so that we can create something in, differentiated and with a, with a point of view, right? It needs a reason to exist because the world doesn't need more noise for more noise's sake, right? <laughs> so I think if we start with the listener and then yeah. create something that we think uh, based on our research around them that they actually need, then it becomes so much easier to say, to build that audience and go back to them and say, look, we made this thing that you, you're clearly asking for, here it is, rather than the previous version, which is here's our idea, will yeah. someone come and listen to it please which is just so much of a harder sell yeah no i love it and um it, being specific has been where i failed to be honest with this podcast and and i opened the podcast by saying does the world need another effing marketing podcast <laughs> and that's my premise right and um and so i've i've gone broad with this podcast simply because of the sorts of people that i want to talk to and really um maybe i should have thought about the listener a bit more but, you know, but again like, it depends does doesn't it on, on what yeah. your goals are your this yeah. is a personal project for you and so those connections are what's important and uh, you know but for a brand yeah. there might be different metrics that are, Absolutely. are at play there. and yeah. and and that's just key to i keep saying content marketing to you but that's just key to any content marketing isn't it it's yeah. it's finding that thing that you can be useful for to your audience there's no point in you banging on about i don't know some generic term in your industry what's the thing that's very specific to you i love it and um i mean i'm a big fan of a podcast too which is probably why i started doing one I, li- I listen to podcasts every day for an hour on my walk there you go. but with your experience what's key to a good podcast for you what do you like uh i think a few things i think firstly um the the relationship as a listener, the shows we choose to listen to over the long time term are based around our relationship with the host. So yeah. I think having a really strong host, someone that we can relate to, um, is, is super important. So nailing a good host, like I said, a focus on the listener and building a, a really strong premise for the show, not just we're making some noise because that's yeah. what we're doing. Instead going, no, this is what we stand for. You're listening to this show because we have this opinion about the world and we're going to express that each week. I don't think anyone wants just sort of more wishy-washy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think have an opinion. Um, uh, and then I think uh, just be creative, be brave. I think a lot of people stick to the tried and true, you know, m- 
formats of podcasting mm-hmm. um but actually you know like you said the world doesn't need another effing marketing podcast <laughs> well it's probably true in every other industry out there yeah, too yeah. so like what yeah. are you going to do that's actually going to provide and that by the way i'm not that what i'm saying isn't unique to podcasts exactly as yeah. you know this is all content yeah. blog the world doesn't yeah. need another seo blog like yeah. let's do seo blogging about with a point of view you know yeah. and I, and I, and so i think um uh, the, the same is, is definitely true of podcasting. Yeah, and it's, it goes back to your story, isn't it? Because you were very specific about your agency and what value you could provide. Mm. It's helped you grow and you've, you've stuck to your lane and, and that's the way, that, you know, that's the way to success in it for, for a lot of things uh, around, around content. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Certainly what we've seen. Excellent. Well, uh, blimey, look at the time. I am, uh, and there's so much I'd like to ask you because obviously it's so meta to have a conversation about podcasting on a podcast. I know. And, um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the genre. And one of the other things I would say about um, a, a good podcast is, and this is a bit of a horn toot for you, mate, is because I think the production is so important. I, I yes. can't, I mean, I do it myself. I'm an amateur. I, that's what I spend my Saturday mornings doing. But it's really mm. important to me that I get it as good as I can because when you listen to a podcast and the sound is terrible, yes. it really doesn't matter what the content is. That's the challenge, isn't it? So, Definitely. so using using a producer like yourself, I think is probably. And I know the first five of mine were rubbish. I think this this microphone was around the wrong way. Everyone's first ones are, are rubbish. <laughs> you know that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, definitely. Unless they use somebody like unless you use it. Sure, 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 sure. But right, whether so, or not you work with someone like us, I do think that taking the time to yeah. to to really kind of learn the craft a bit is is super important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. So I'm going to get to my last question, which uh, we have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO called the Rockstar CMO Swim Pool, our portal to marketing hell for the overhyped trends, BS, and snake oil from this marketing industry we love. And I ask everybody this question, as you can probably tell, what would you like to see chucked into our pool? So I, I think we've sort of touched on it. I'd like to chuck commodity content into, nice. you know, I think yeah. everyone, you know, the hot, I don't know if it's that hot anymore, but but it's repurposing of content, being efficient yeah. with our content marketing. Look, I'm all for efficiency, but not at the cost of, you know, the human, the humanity yeah. in content. And I think that, uh, you know, I've been on podcast interviews before where there's just this sort of like vacant expression you're just you're just in a sausage factory and they're just churning out the sausages or the cookies or whatever it is and they're not they don't care they're not listening to your answers and it's really depressing as the guest of that podcast and then i don't know who that's list who's going to listen to that so don't you can hear it as a listener as well i mean exactly um, so i don't know who's benefiting from this you know you can just tell that somebody was sitting there waiting to ask their question and was not paying attention to the answer at all it's so obvious isn't it It, it really is and and i've really enjoyed our conversation which is completely the opposite to that so uh, you know the same goes for blog content right the world doesn't need another listicle don't make a listicle (laughs) just just actually do something that the world needs uh so i think i would throw commodity content quality quantity over quality in the, in the i love pool. it all right mate well when people spin the dial on the interwebs where they're going to find you harry uh, i hang out on twitter um mm-hmm. i'm at podcast harry and uh which is somewhat you know we said staying in your lane i think i'm stuck <laughs> in there now because i can't change it uh and everything that we do is over at lowerstreet.co oh that's excellent so i'll include the links in the show notes i look forward to staying in touch with you harry and uh, maybe one day when we can scrape together a few of these advertising euros i can i can spend a bit of money on getting this produced properly so nice one <laughs> thanks awesome, so man. much it's been a pleasure thank you speak to you soon thank you harry a bit meta to be talking about podcasts on a podcast but enjoyed that conversation very nice chap 
Right, talking of nice chaps, it's Friday evening, time to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the Content Advisory, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Well, hello, my friend. I, it is so good to see you in the bar. And look at the changes that have been made here. It's like a Western saloon in here. I, I, you know, there's a guy with a banjo playing over in the corner. There's a. It feels like oh, there's, there's a gunfight going on. Up, up, I mean, this is this feels like a Western saloon of some kind. Do you like what we've done with the place? I do. <laughs> you very much like it. It's it's it feels a little dark holiday if I. If, you know. And what? Do, how do you feel about Billy Joel on the piano over there? I mean, uh, yeah, how about that? You know, <laughs> just you know, it's one of those old timey ones too. You just, I mean, it's just it just lives and breathes the American West. I, you know, I changing make, the theme. Yeah, I was trying to make you feel at home. What with you coming from Texas and everything? Yeah. <laughs> It's fantastic. In any event, um, it's mm-hmm. been a, it's been a great week, um, and uh, uh, I have uh, a, mm-hmm. it, it will fit the ambiance very nicely here. Um, the cocktail we have for tonight, yes. um, which is uh, a, a it is a drink that my dad used to make uh, on uh, Sunday evenings. Every Sunday evening, he would make one of these, especially in the summertime. But pretty much every Sunday evening, as we would sit out on the patio or have a barbecue or anything yeah. like that. And it's, it's sort of that time of year here. Um, and so I, I, I thought we'd bring this one up, which is, um, and I had no idea it was like a thing. I thought this was his name for it, but it is actually a thing. It's called a salty dog. Ooh. Um, and the salty dog is so, and, 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 and I know where I am by the way. So it is gin. It is a gin drink. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping you might have the ingredients for this. But it, 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 it is a delightful summer drink because it is uh-huh. it is gin, mm-hmm. it is grapefruit juice, and a salted rim. Um, and you can put a lime in it if you want, you know, to yeah. sort of you know balance out the grapefruit if you like. But that's it. It's it basically grapefruit and and be- and best uh, fresh squeezed grapefruit juice, by the way, uh-huh. with a salt rim and gin. And man, is that a taste! It is a tasty, tasty, tasty summer drink. Wow. And is that a, is that a staple from from where you come from in in Texas? I you know I don't think so. No, I don't. Oh. Uh, you know I don't think that Texans primarily know how to spell gin. But um, <laughs> you know, but for the but my dad was not a native Texan. He was uh-huh. a uh, he he was from Iowa originally, and I don't know that right. he comes from Iowa either. Um, uh-huh. But um, uh, it, it's an older drink. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it, the the idea behind it was. I guess from the 1920s or 1930s, um, it's basically uh, a greyhound, you know, for for those of you who are screaming that, you know, hey, gin and grapefruit juice is a greyhound. It is, um, but the salty rim is what makes it the salty dog. And you can see there the salty dog, greyhound, okay, there you can see the the relationship there. But um, I think it's um, primarily out of the, the, I would guess the East Coast, but you know who knows. 
I think I wonder if we should do this part of the show just about the cocktails. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right. So um, at this point, you know what I should do? I should swap the um, swap the gin for a nice bourbon or something like that. But I'm not going to do that. I am going to uh, pour in a bit of. Uh, oh, well, sorry. I'm going to try and replicate that drink with the uh, very ingredients on my desktop bar for people that have not see. heard the show before. Uh, I'm going to start off with some ice. Was that right, Steve? Uh, yes, indeed. This is a very summary on the rocks drink. Yeah, jolly good. And then I slop in a bit of gin, jolly good. And then grapefruit juice. I think, as we've discussed previously on this show, that uh, the most English of grapefruits is, of course, the cucumber. And the ah. very nice people at Fever Tree have put some of that in their tonic water, uh, which I shall um, pour into this glass. Go. So let me give this a try. Salty dog, you say? Mmm, that's delicious, Robert. I could drink one of these every week. I'm not quite getting the salt, though. No, well, <laughs> it, it helps if you do add it, but uh, it, ah, it is... good point. Yeah. <laughs> you will get a saltier drink if you do actually add the salt. <laughs> But it's delicious, though. I, I like it all the same. So these salty dogs, uh, I feel like we should be on a pirate ship or something. But where would one drink a salty dog? One would drink, you know, oh. here's the thing. I think we were just talking about this a little while ago. And mm -hmm. I'm staring at the map of, of, of this place um, because I think we should go there, which is uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, um, very nice. And, um, you know, so Charleston, South Carolina, of course, is just an absolutely uh, beautiful part of mm -hmm. the world. And there are so many places where we could go and either yeah. sit on the river or sit right yeah. on the coast or on an, any of the, you know, hundreds of, of little islands that there are there. And, and there are some extraordinary, um, you know, one of those sort of laid back... Uh, uh, hotel, sort of, mm -hmm. but they're but they're shaped and and look like giant houses mm -hmm. um, with the big magnolia trees and mm -hmm. um, you know just in the and you, you know you can think about it in the in the heat of the summer mm -hmm. um, where you've got that sort of the smell of the summer and and yep. the water and and trees and all of those kinds of things and sit out on the porch of one of these giant, beautiful hotels and, and sip one of these salty dogs. And nice. I, you know, that, that would be the perfect place for this. Yes. And for anybody that's listened to your podcast, you could practice your Southern accent. <laughs> well, I, I, yes, I, I you know, give me a few of these salty dogs and my Southern, my Texas accent comes right back screaming out. You know, it sounds, it sounds lovely. And, um, I, I'm not really sure that, uh, I think in that atmosphere with that languid heat and just chilling sounds fantastic. But I'm guessing if it's the two of us somewhere, we're going to start talking about marketing. What are we going to talk about, mate? Well, yes, if we must. Um, it, <laughs> it, and I suppose that is the whole point of the show, isn't it? That we do it is, talk yeah. a little bit about marketing. So uh, what I want to talk about is personalization because, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it is something that has come up of, of late. Um and it's interesting because uh, we even talked about it a little bit. Uh, I think it was a few shows ago that we talked about yeah. it, um, where you know that um, you know that 
basically there was this article in Marketing Week. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw it or not, um, which is Marketing Week is a is an English or UK at yep. least um, based magazine um, where uh, they wrote an article about personalization being unachievable. Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous at its face, of course. Um, and uh, the article was ridiculous uh, and, and basically said two things about personalization, which were one, that it's impossible because it assumes you have perfect data on everybody. Mm -hmm. yep. And two, they said that even if it were possible to do personalization, it doesn't work anyway. And... Yeah. The arguments that they use for both of those things are, are not only just silly, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe I'll just leave it at silly, full stop. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the basically the refusal to acknowledge that it actually does exist and is mm -hmm. actually effective is just mm -hmm. sort of, you know, it's sort of the fatal flaw of, 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 of their opening salvo of arguments because clearly they've not spent any time on TikTok or any of the social yeah. media networks where personalization yeah. is is alive and well and working very well and keeping people on the platform for hours yes. and hours and hours and anybody yeah. who's been sucked into a TikTok hole knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. But let's talk about us mere mortals, right? Uh, the, the mere mortals of, of, of marketing for a moment here mm -hmm. where, you know, when you think about personalization, it's one of those things that's a bit like plumbing, right? Um, you want it to be there and you want it to be solid and you want it to, you just don't want to see any of it. Yes. Um, because if you ask customers, yes. do you want targeted, relevant advertising or relevant content? All of them will say, well, yeah, of course I want it to be more relevant yeah. to what I need or what I want. And then you go, great, but should we use your data to do it? They overwhelmingly say, absolutely, hell no. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, so, the idea is that the best content experiences aren't those that are conspicuously personalized. Like, hello, Ian, I saw yeah. that you were here yesterday. Here are <laughs> all of the things that you need to buy, right? Which is just yeah. a mail merge, you know, yeah. disguising itself as, as personalization. It's the kinds of things where it needs to be invisible, right? It's not mad mm -hmm. it's, it's something that yeah. actually is personal. The challenge with that is that when you think about it from us mere mortals, when we're thinking about it as marketers, for example, our overall goal with personalization is to do what? It's just to simply deliver the right message to the right person at the right time, right? Yeah. And so the problem is, is that it's not a data problem. We can accumulate the data so we can know who the right person is. And we don't know necessarily, but we can start to use technology to deliver it at the right time. Mm -hmm. The problem, the biggest problem is that we don't have the right message. In other words, we don't have something, yes. we don't have this ginormous corpus of content like a TikTok does or a Facebook yes. or a LinkedIn so that we can't actually deliver individualized experiences. So what we end up doing is delivering the right message, or excuse me, the only message we have to the right person at hopefully the right time, which mm -hmm. of course is a personalization fail and everybody notices it. Yeah. And so that's the challenge is that it's just hard. It's difficult. Yeah. And so as we start thinking about personalization and how we want to make 
content more relevant and personal. The idea is, is that we have to listen more, which we've talked about on this show before. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But more importantly, we need to start to think about it. How do we get more personal as we get to know the person, right? So that's Mm -hmm. the relationship part of this because it's about context. It's all about context. So when we start thinking about this in a way that is, that is truly personal. And so at its broadest level, before we've met anybody, we don't even try. There's no, there's Mm -hmm. no reason to really even try. But as we start to know someone, we can start invisibly to the point possible, delivering them the best next experience that we possibly can, given what we know, that's as good as we can ever do. And by the time that they purchase from us, where they've given us their name and their address and their phone number and all of the things that we need to actually make things truly personal, well, now we can at least start to deliver them the things that they need for the products that they've purchased, for the experiences that they want to have, for the help that we can provide and all of that. So in other words, as we get to know someone more, we can be more personalized, just like we would in real life. And it's just that approach that makes personalization real, not some fantasy that can't be achieved. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I saw the article as well. In fact, I I made a comment on LinkedIn and, um, it's just bollocks. Absolutely. Well, you started. You tried to start a fight. You started. You, you, wanted me, you wanted me to start a fight with Mark Ritson, which you know. I wanted. No, I wanted your take on it in an article, and we'll ask where those articles are in a moment. But, yeah, well, I, because was, he responded on Twitter saying this is brilliant, and you were like, "Yes, <laughs> you were poking the bear there." You were like, you know. <laughs> just, just pointing out that he said that it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, so, uh, but you, you're warming my heart with this one because i don't know but you know i've been at this game for quite a long time as you have robert and um and that whole idea of um personalization needing to know everything about somebody before you can do something is 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 bollocks you you can you can personalize just knowing one little thing about somebody that can just help them move along and the invisible bit what that's such a good point is like is i mean if these people have been on this this chap who wrote that article had been on tiktok Maybe he doesn't realize that the personalization is so good that it's insidiously like a butler serving him constantly things that he wants and he doesn't know he wants them, right? It's Exactly. That's what personalization is. And I, I've said this for years. It is like this unseen butler that just... So if you see personalization, it's rubbish. That's right. That's exactly you only, right. You don't see the good stuff. You only see the bad. And, um, and you, you can... You, I mean, who hasn't been on social media, whether it's TikTok or anything, and, and discovered 20 minutes later that you've disappeared down some rabbit hole and you can't remember how you got down it, right? Right. That was, that was probably personalization. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, you see it all the time. You know, I mean, and this, mm. isn't, this isn't, you know, unique to smaller companies or yeah. less skilled companies. I mean, Amazon is really not that great at this. No. You know, how many times have you gotten emails and or... Yeah. Uh, you know, or, or seen in your shopping, oh, you know, experience yeah. on Amazon, yeah. the very product that you literally just purchased. Yeah. Um, and it's saying, Hey, suggested for you, this, this particular yeah. product, or quite honestly, you've bought a gift for your young niece. Yeah. And now all of a sudden your Facebook feed and your, and, and everything else is filled with Barbie dolls and, and stuff yeah. that obviously yeah. isn't relevant for you in that moment, in that context was for about 10 minutes as you shopped for a birthday gift or something, but then now it's done. And you would assume that if it's personalized, it knows the context of which 
I'm Absolutely. shopping for this. Absolutely. It recognizes that that's an anomaly that I, you know, me shopping for Barbie dolls is, is an anomaly, yeah. you know, in yeah. my normal life and yeah. would, would then weight it accordingly and suggest something else, but it doesn't because it has, you know, it has difficulty in doing that. So therefore it calls attention to itself and therefore yeah. we look at it as a fail. But the other thing that, you know, the, the exact same use case you know, is when I've been surfing around looking for a particular thing for my house or something that mm -hmm. I want to do for my home improvement. And now all of a sudden I start seeing alternatives in my Facebook feed or my Instagram yeah. feed or, you know, on my yeah. Amazon shopping. And now all yeah. of a sudden I just noticed, I, you know, all I do is yeah. notice that, Hey, that's, a, yeah. I was looking for that. And I, yeah. you know, and I click on it yeah. and it's not until, you know, and me as being sort of a cynical sort of, you yeah. know, self-aware, I guess, consumer yeah. is that I recognize, oh my gosh, I'm halfway through the shopping process. And I realized that this was targeted to me. Yeah. That's good personalization. That's when you've, yeah. that's when you've, that's when they've really nailed it. Absolutely. It's when I don't notice it. Absolutely. And, and, and me as a self-aware person, not noticing it is, is, is one thing, you know, when, you know, normal consumers are, yeah. are doing this, it's quite another. So it yeah. is possible. It just needs to not be so overt. I've yeah, and like a oh, magic God. trick, right? You know, you don't yeah. want you 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 want you want people to just you yeah. know suspend disbelief to a certain yeah. extent where you don't need to call attention to the fact that you're doing a magic trick. You just yeah. do the magic trick. Yeah, and it's like the point you're making at the beginning, isn't it? It's like we know we're going to have to see ads. That's how things get paid for, right? So um, I'd rather see ads that were relevant to me than 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 weren't. And, and for them, and the other, the other thing I, I've found as well, I mean, God, we've been talking about this so long, um, like t 20 years ago, what breaks my heart about Amazon is 20 years ago, we, they were the poster child, right, of, of what they were doing was innovative and they were making billions of, of dollars based on their recommendations. And it seems to have not really moved on. And, you know, their re retargeting, remarketing, as you were saying, you see in your Facebook feed is the same <laughs> Fucking sorry, I can't swear. I've I've learned that somebody listens to this show in the car with their daughter, so now I'm trying not to swear. But you see the same crap bloody <laughs> retargeting of the product that you just bloody well bought looking at you in Facebook and, and that's just lazy and horrible because we as we as consumers may have a feeling about people taking our data, but we know it happens. So you have my data, so don't mess it up, you know? Right. Right. And the interesting thing to me is, is I still have, I still question about that mm -hmm. whole, mm -hmm. do consumers really want yeah. relevant ads? Right. Yeah. I, I think the initial gut reaction, if you ask someone that is sure, I mean, fine. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. that, that's the answer, right? It's not like, yeah. oh yes, please give me more uh, yes, relevant absolutely. ads. Yeah. It's sure. If I got to see ads, at least yeah. make them relevant yeah. to me. Right. And yeah. so that gets taken as a yes, customers prefer that, right? But <laughs> yeah. we don't really prefer it. I mean, if we, yeah. if you really think about it, like if you, if you were to pause that conversation and go, let's sit down and have a, you know, a, let's sit down and have a salty dog and talk about this for a moment. <laughs> and you said to that customer, look, as you're browsing a magazine or you're browsing a website, you, mm -hmm. yes, you do have to see ads, but yes. they can either be ads that are completely irrelevant to you that you're going to mm -hmm. ignore anyway or they can be completely relevant to you that might call attention to, do you really yeah. care? Yeah. And the answer is no, not really. I, yeah. I don't really care. 
I mean, yeah. maybe I care a little bit, but yeah. not so much that I'm not going to read the magazine or I'm not going to read True. the article because True. the ads aren't relevant to me. The yeah. question that that making the ads more relevant is something we want, is something mm. we marketers want, is something that the owner of that magazine or the owner of that article yeah. or the, the yeah. renter of that space, that's something they want. Yeah. And because ideally the reader then takes more action on yeah. that ad. And yeah. that's what we just have to realize is that it's something that we want. So we have to do it in a way that, you know, we want to serve a particular meal at this yeah. restaurant. Yeah. We need to make sure that it's done in such a way that the customer doesn't, you know, object. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 But I, I also like, isn't there's a, there's a famous ad quote, which is, I wish I, I, I could remember the author where people will, people will take an interest in things and sometimes they're ads. That's right. Like that. That's the yeah. old, uh, that's the old, um, uh, you're going to know because you you're a historian on this kind of stuff. Yeah. But. Howard, uh, Howard, uh, uh it's one of the old Gosser, New York. London. I may get that name wrong. Yeah, it's one of the old New York ad men, isn't it? Of, yeah, or, it, well, he's a San Francisco ad guy, actually. Yeah. Oh, is he? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, 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 I, I'm, I, yes, I'm, I agree with you that people wouldn't ask, but I, I do, I think we, you know, we, we prefer to have things interesting in front of us, and if they happen to be ads, then so be it. But I take your point completely about personalization. Yeah, right. and I, and when I said you know, how long we've been talking about it. I didn't mean the last 20 minutes. I meant the last 20 years. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Howard Gossage, by the way. Ah, oh, um, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Gossage, yeah. G-O-S-S-A-G-E. And it's nobody needs advertising or nobody reads advertising. People read what interests them and we hope that it's an ad. Ah, oh, perfect. Thank you very much, Robert. That's perfect. I like actually on, on your show, just a little thing for this old marketing. Does, does, does Joe have like a big old fashioned typewriter connected to his computer? Because I think sometimes when he goes and researches things you talk about, I can, it's like an old fashioned newsroom. I can hear him go, tick, 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 tick. ah, he comes up with the answer. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I, yeah. you know, I, I, I had not heard that before. I think, but he's then got again... a, I think he's got a mechanical typewriter. But anyway, it's just, it's just a little observation of your show, which is called uh, This Old Marketing and is available it is on all good uh, podcast jukeboxes like this very one you're listening to right now. And where else can people find thoughts? Because you've written about this particular thing, haven't you, personalization? I did, did write that? about this. I did write an article on this on the contentmarketinginstitute.com. Mm -hmm. um, and then we spoke about it on uh, on this old marketing as well. Um, yes. And then, yes. And then other than that, you can you can always catch me uh, uh, at contentadvisory.net where, you know, we, we it's, which is not personalized at all. <laughs> Splendid. And when people can't join us here in the virtual bar, where are people going to find you when they spin the dial on the interwebs? Well, the personalized algorithms may find them on, <laughs> uh, on, on Twitter and on LinkedIn, where I'm, uh, where I'm, I'm happy to read the algorithmic focused filtered feed. <laughs> I love that. Thank you very much, Robert. We didn't do the, the, the topic justice. I think we may return to that to the bar. And talking about returning to the bar, will you be back next week? I will. And let's hope that this uh, your little <laughs> Western theme continues here. I think we were both lucky we didn't get shot. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, mate. On that note, I'll uh, see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.
Thank you, Robert. And personalization, what a topic. The topic of the age, I'm sure we'll be coming back to that. So that's a wrap on episode 116 of the Rockstar CMO Epic Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff, Harry and Robert for sharing their insight. Please say hello to them. I'll include all their links in the show notes, which you can find on your favorite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. And finally, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. So... Does the world need another Epic Marketing Podcast? Let us know on the socials or drop a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, as you heard, Jeff and Robert will be back. I'm looking forward to chatting with Tim Parkin, a marketing team performance expert. Until then, have a great week and I hope you again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.